Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hard Nine podcast. Today is June 8th, 2023, as we join you on an off day for the Cardinals. Uh, St. Louis sits at 25 and 37 uh, with the worst record in the National League, two and eight in their last 10. And we did just get to go see them lose a game in Texas. So this is where our lives are right now. They should only, they should only be 36, I mean, 26 and 37. My apologies. It is not updated. That's on me. Either way, um, it's terrible. Yeah, they're they're in a bad way right now. I mean, we went into the weekend last weekend saying they had a chance to go into Pittsburgh, hopefully win two of three, if not sweep, and get themselves back into a spot where not only does the division look you know reachable, but getting back to 500 looks reachable. And, you know, they got swept, and then they lost two of three. I mean, one in five road trip. Here, that's the problem. That's the problem with um, having such a bad start and digging yourself a hole. Is now you have no wiggle room. You know, you have. Yeah. If they have one more bad stretch of games, they're done. It's over. Also, also, my apologies to the Washington Nationals. They indeed are now the worst team in the National League. So we have crept out of that spot with the one nothing victory yesterday. Um, look, here's the thing. Uh, Caleb and I were supposed to go to Houston, as you know. Caleb ended up. We last podcast we got, he was sick. He stayed sick, did not get better. So we missed the Otani pitching, uh, the Crawford box seat experience. However, we did get to go to Arlington. The stadium, beautiful, by the way. Really cool ballpark village-like area with Texas Live. Very well done. Right next to the alien spaceship that is where the Cowboys play, across the way from Six Flags and where the soccer team plays, the old stadium. Really cool experience. Our seats were incredible. Uh, Everything, good, good time. Just lost the game late. Uh, some base running errors. It does just seem like everything they do right now is is magnified. And we've talked about it before on here. When you're losing, it's hard to get out of a rut. And it seems like every single night, it's something different or someone different or an instance that you think, these guys are major league baseball players. What in the hell are they doing? It's so weird because you look at the stats for the majority of players on the team, pitchers and hitters. It's like, well, they're They've either been good or they've been all right. Like they're not awful, but it seems like everyone has like that has the off night. They take turns. So you know, one night Geo's gonna blow a game, even though he's been great. And then the next night Helsley's gonna blow a game, and then it's Hicks or whoever. And it just the team just can't. I, I don't. I can't explain it. It's I don't know if there's problems in the clubhouse. I don't know if there's a lack of trust within the players. I don't know if there's a lack of trust within themselves. But I I've never seen a team with this much talent on the roster find ways to blow games i mean every other day it seems like it's it sure does feel like the base we've said this before but the baseball guys are really pissed off at the st louis cardinals this year i don't know what they did i don't know what they did between the albert pujols like maybe they just gave us that and said for this here is your penance for the next year you're going to have to endure literally everything that could go wrong will go wrong for the first three months of baseball. Maybe that's where we are. I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Uh, the other night we're at the game. We're right in the left field. Uh, they don't have bleachers, but left field seats. Nolan hits the ball that almost gets out off the wall. You and I celebrating because for sure we've taken the lead until we look up. Nolan not paying any attention. Tommy not running. Uh, the, the all I It was the wildest thing. There was no reason two runs don't score on that. Next thing you know, lose the game. Ninth inning over. And then they blame Nolan Gorman for it in the post game. And while I get it because, yeah, he didn't do the right thing, I still don't think Nolan Gorman 
had should have had anything to do with Tommy not scoring. No. I don't think he he definitely didn't have anything to do with Arenado running with his head down, not picking up what's going on in front of him and running a guy off the bases. Like you can't you can't do that. And like I, it shows the lack of awareness. Because Nolan's a smart base runner, but to run to third, not only to run to third, but to touch the base. And then he tried to go back, and he was like, "Oh wait, I can't do that." So now I'm stuck here. So it's it's just I don't I don't know. Everyone's trying to do too much, and that that sums up the season because any even when you get the biggest hit in the last couple weeks that could get your team rolling, you end up making a mistake on the same play that I ends up losing your team the game basically. So it's it's wild. Yeah, it's like I said, it's something that that I don't think it's Cardinal fans. I, I was there in the nineties. I remember the nineties. I don't ever want to go back to that 90 to 95 era at all. Um, but that's what this is reminiscent of, even though this team dramatically, I mean, leaps and bounds more talented than those teams in the nineties. They were spending no money on anybody. If it weren't for Ray Langford, a little bit of Greg Jeffries and a few pitchers here or there in the nineties, that would have been almost unwatchable baseball. So it, it is a, a very odd situation that's going on. Let's let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, and, and we've talked about the clubhouse. I, I'm not going to speculate. Everybody seems to want to speculate on what's going on in there. We can't. Were you taken a little bit aback by the lack of reaction to Jordan Walker's homer and then the overall lack of reaction to finally getting that monkey off your back last night and getting the win as you leave town in Texas? I have a couple of thoughts on it. One, the Jordan Walker thing, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised because I think that kind of signifies how they feel is it's like, yeah, these guys within two, but we're going to find a way to lose this game. I think that's that's how they feel because that's how they're playing. Um, and then yesterday, I, I don't really, not really, I don't think, because I think there's still like, we have so far to go and we're still not like, we want a game cool, but we're 11 games under 500. It's still hard to get excited about that. And, you know, when you dig yourself out of the rut you were in, not completely, but most of the way out of the rut, and then you fall right back in, I mean, I don't, that's hard, that's tough on you mentally. And that they're obviously feeling it. And you were talking about the clubhouse. There was a story that came out from Mike Claiborne, who's there, travels with the team, I believe, that some player, he didn't name the player, I, you could probably guess who's on the short list of who would do this, but there were guys playing ping pong before a game, I guess. And he went in, took the ping pong paddles and threw them away and said, we're not doing, we're not doing any of this until we figure this out. I don't know who that was. I won't speculate. Um, but I do think there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't know the right word, but tension in the clubhouse between people. So a lot of reports out there that that was Ollie. That was not Ollie. You're saying that was a player who did that. Yeah. Ollie want to do that. That's what I Right. Who said who, what report to, said that was Ollie? I again, I don't mean reports. I mean people out there putting that on Twitter no, and things yeah. social no, media. It, no, like the way he said it, he said a player did it. And Ollie wouldn't go into the clubhouse and do that. Agreed. Just wanted to get that cleared up. That's why I was saying that. Um okay, let's talk just a little bit about the state of the uh the roster a little bit. In do you have it, where do we stand on Lars, DC, and Tyler? Well, DC should be DC could be back Friday tomorrow the next game. Um, they said they wanted to play the outfield today, I believe is what they said. And if everything goes well, he should be back. Um, Tyler, I don't know if he'll ever be a Cardinal again. We'll see what happens with him. Like it's just honestly like that's where I'm at. If he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, whatever. As of right now, anything he gives you is a bonus, and that's sad to say, but it's just the truth. And Newt, I think they said he was hitting again, so that's a good sign when you're swinging a bat with your back being injured. We need him. I mean, we need him back bad. Like I know he's not going to come back and fix all the problems, but losing 
maybe your third best, most consistent hitter this year, that's a big blow. So we need him back more than anybody else. I also feel like his energy, like I spend a lot of time watching these other teams and then watching the recaps of a lot of these other teams. And you just see the enthusiasm within, within the moments of the game, within the team, within the dugout, within all of that, when another player does well. And it just feels like this team is not, I don't, I, I again, speculation, me from 35,000 feet looking in, it just doesn't feel like this team is here at all. Like the, it, it just appears that there's some, I, and again, it could be the pressures of the game. It could be the pressures of the, you were losing, you had a terrible April, you started to turn it around and then all of a sudden you go right back into it. I don't know the answer. I'm not even going to try to come up with an answer. Everybody else can figure that out or do that on their own. They'll all be wrong, but you can do it. Um, I, it just feels like when you watch some of these other teams, I mean, we're getting ready to welcome in Cincinnati. That team is vibing right now. Like that team is absolutely gelling. Ellie De La Cruz is an absolute star. You saw Benson hit his first home run last night. Uh, you saw Cruz hit his first home run. De La Cruz hit his first home run. They are, there's energy. There's energy back in that city, back in that stadium around the team, but also in the clubhouse. And David Bell's got the boys. I mean, they're, they're buzzing right now. Going to be tough. I mean, not, it's not going to be easy. Like, I think I saw, I read something the other day where it was like every team in the National League, or at least the National League Central, has been wanting to beat the Cardinals. Like, they, they haven't been able to because the Cardinals have been so good for so long, except for the Brewers. But they've been wanting to find a way to beat the Cardinals. And now that there's blood in the water and they're smelling it, and there's a team that's limping its way through this season – they're coming at you. Like you saw the Pirates the other day. They gave you everything they've got. David Bednar threw three games in a row mm -hmm. to shut you out and sweep you. So you, there, no one's going to give you an easy win. Like at this point, like you're tied or maybe half a game better than the worst team in the National League. So there's no gimme series right now. Teams are coming in and thinking we should sweep you. We should win two out of three from you because you're a bad team. So I, I don't know how to get out of this. And I think this is something I want to get to. And I think we should talk about Ollie later. I was going to say that earlier, but I forgot. But I think, do you, how, one, how do they get out of this? And two, do you think that they have the right pieces, the right leadership and everything to find a way to get themselves back to 500 at any point this season? I mean, what, what are we, 11 games under 500 right now? Is that right? I, I mean, that's going to be a tough task. Look, here's the thing. Let, let's just kind of walk it back a bit as I answer your questions. You know my, my, how my head goes. Um, you had the 19-game streak. Everybody said, oh, they're struggling at the end of this because they're exhausted. Thank God for two days off. Well, you got the two days off. Then you came out flat as fuck and went one and five over your next, next six, including being swept by the Pirates and could have been – John Gray was incredible last night. Could have been shut – I mean, swept by the, the Rangers. Now, people could also retort, could have won two of three, had an opportunity to do that. I understand that as well. Uh, however, I and also up five to one against the Pirates and blow that game. So there was that as well. Five nothing, sorry. Um, but there's some, I, the fan in me wants to say yes. Like, yes, this team can still go on a run. Because when you look at the pieces, you've got the reigning MVP. You've got Nolan, who, by the way, starts to maybe is starting to figure it out and start to starting to come out of it. You're going to get healthy with Carlson and Newt Barr back. Uh, you've got Jordan Walker up here on this team. Gorman's going through a little bit of a rest stretch, but he's still taking overall, not every time, but overall pretty good at bats. He, I mean, obviously we saw the absolute bomb he hit the other night. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that as far as, can they? Because in my mind, as a fan, as a Cardinal fan, I've seen the 17-game winning streak. I've seen the Brewers collapse. It just feels like this year, you don't need just the Brewers to collapse. 
Like you need the Reds who are up and coming to also plateau and drop. You need the Pirates. And I'm not saying they won't. Those teams historically have not played well in the second half. But these do seem like new Pirates teams. It does seem like a new Reds team who also, by the way, is going to get healthy and get guys back. Uh, is it enough? I, if I were a betting man and I were laying money on FanDuel, I'm not laying money for the Cardinals to make the playoffs in 2023. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is a problem in that clubhouse. I don't know if the, the pieces together are not greater than the sum of the team. Is that or, or whatever? You know what I'm trying to say there. The team's not greater than the pieces. I think that's where I was trying to go with that. I, I don't know the answer. Right now, I would say I don't see how this team gets out of it and gets into the playoffs because when your pitching is going well, which, by the way, starting pitching much better. Jack's been incredible. Miles has been unbelievable. Wayno pitched well the other night. He's still getting hit hard. Every ball that's up is going to get destroyed. Um, we don't know what to expect from Libby or Monty. It feels like Monty was better the other night, but we don't know what to expect from either one of those two. That that feels those like you don't know. So when three-fifths of your rotation, you don't have any idea. I've said this all year. It's hard to go on a streak when you have that problem. Yeah, I think I feel better about Monty than I guess you do. Like, I would say I feel good every start with Monty, Miles, and Jack. Um, better about Jack and Miles, but I feel good about your chances to be in the game by the time they're out of it. Like, Libby, we'll see. He's still – he's got to control, like, those bre- – he has those innings where it just breaks apart, falls apart on him. He's got to stop doing that. Um, Bueno, he's going to give you a chance to win. Like, every start, even if they haven't been great, he's giving you a chance to win. Um. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to my own question. Do I think they have a chance? I do. I, I do think they have a chance because you look at it, any sweep, like if you were to just go in there, I know the Reds are playing good baseball right now, and I don't think they're going to sweep, but if they were to go in there and come home and win and sweep the Reds and then win two or three from the Giants, now you're looking up and you've just gained four games, so now you're seven games under, and then that's one good stretch away from being right where you want to be. So while I don't – think like if I were betting no I wouldn't bet on the Cardinals right now but there is just so much baseball still there's still 99 games left in the season to where I'm not going to ride them off I'm not going to be the fan that stops watching no me neither because they can't they can't do it I do think they can the problem is and where I get a little bit concerned is they kind of were doing it and then we still saw them fall back they had the momentum and then they went into Cincinnati and laid an egg and then they went into Cleveland and laid an egg and then they split two uh, split two games against the Royals in which they didn't play well in either game. So while I still believe they can do it, we haven't seen this offense have a good game and like a good complete game since LA. Like I know they scored four or five that first game against Pittsburgh. They scored only in one inning that game. That was it. So they've I don't know what's going on with the offense, but they've got to figure that out. They've got to mix things up. I don't understand how when we're going well, and this is where I'll criticize Ollie. When we're going well, it seems like we don't have a same, a same, the same lineup ever. Like it's changing all the time. Um, but when we're playing poorly, the lineup hasn't changed in five days. Like I don't understand that. I don't understand why Jordan Walker is just penciled into the eight hole. I was gonna just ask like, you that. Just I'm not saying he has to bat second, but why not try and bat him sixth one game? Why why not try it? I know Burley just hit the homer, but bat him seventh. Like he shouldn't be stuck in an eight hole. I don't I don't get it. It's weird. Uh and I, I assume it's matchup based, but Lucan comes back and goes three for eight and then sits for two straight games. Like, I'm not saying, again, I'm I'm very happy that Lucan Baker is in the bigs. Shout out to him. I'm not saying he's the end-all be-all, but it does feel like you get a guy going. You know how baseball is. Once you're, once you're like, let, let's ride the hot hand for a little bit. He wasn't the end of, Huh? Well, three for eight is a great start. That's he, struck out, he struck out four times. Okay. 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 I, 
first of all, you love to bring up strikeouts. I ignore those anymore. Everyone strikes out, strikes 50, out all the time. That's 50% of the time. And here's I, I the thing. It. He was brought up to hit right, left-handed pitching. He wasn't brought okay. up to hit right-handed pitching. But you're, and also, if you're going to say that and you want to be fair, uh, we might have lost that game yesterday if Alec Burroughs is not playing. I, I'm not saying he should have been over Burroughs. I didn't say that. That's what I'm it would have been. Yeah. That would have been the Well, move. I'm just simply saying – when you when you put him on the bench again after you got a guy hitting and your offense is struggling, the inability to move other guys who are struggling, like that's the that's the problem. I think the fans. I see get it what you're way. saying, but he's coming. He's up here to hit left-handed pitching. I get. He's I not you. up here to hit John Gray. Like that's not yeah. what he's here. Well, no one was hitting John Gray last night except Burley. Uh, got Burleson, one, the, one, yeah, dropped the, the head of the that, bat and got one out. The yeah, guy that, that would have been out for yeah. Baker is the guy that got him. So, but let's also be fair. Alec Burleson has not been good lately. Like that was great. We love that, and I'm happy for him. But. Let's not no, act he like he was riding the hot hand there with Alec Burleson. So um, no, but it, it did worked. work out. It did work out. Uh, the other thing, like we've been talking about all this, it just feels like, I, and I, you know that the players have to feel this way, that even when you and I talked about this the other day, when they get down, it feels like game over. When they get up, it feels like they know, oh, who it, what is coming now. That's how it is right now. And this is what they did all of April. And now we're right back smack dab into the middle of it. And you just can't play baseball trying not to lose instead of going out there every night and trying to win. And that's what it feels like this team is doing. And it did feel like last night when they, you know, you see the, the pictures of nobody really celebrating. It was almost like a relief. Like, oh, we finally won. Not an excitement, not a joy, not anything, not a celebration with your teammates or of your teammates. It was a, a, a collective sigh of, oh, thank goodness we finally won a game. We didn't screw it up. That's And that you cannot, like, that's what tells me this team somewhere in there this team can't go on a long run because that's how it does feel they play the game. Yeah, but it's kind of like to me like when you're a hitter and you're in a long slump and you and you get the hit that makes you one for your last 20, you don't really necessarily get too excited, but it is a relief that you got the hit. That's kind of the same way I feel about what they're going through. And I don't know the answer. I think you could really use – you know what would be really great for this team? If Wilson Contreras got hot. Yes. And was, and you could use his energy. If Nolan Arenado got hot and was was energized – like those two guys, if those two guys could go for a week, that's how you propel a team back into winning. But you need that to happen. You need your stars to do it. And it's not a coincidence that when Nolan Arenado was going well, this team was going well. He cooled off again. Then we went one and five. Like that, it's not a coincidence that that's what happens. He is the catalyst in this lineup. Paul Goldschmidt was the MVP last year, rightfully so. But Nolan Arenado brings the fire that nobody else other than Wilson brings. And I think he really energizes his team and they rally around him. So he needs to be better. Like, I, I know he's had a couple good games. He had a homer. He had that big double that he ended up kind of ruining. But he needs to be consistently that guy that scares you. When we go through the middle of this order, like we were at the game, like you said. And when, when Marcus Simeon rolls around and it's like, oh, shit, here comes Simeon, Seager, Lau, or Lowe, sorry, and Adolis Garcia, it's kind of like, oh, shit, you know, like find a way to get through these four. I don't feel like the other teams are feeling that way when it's, you know, Goldie, Gorman, Arnado, Contreras, and they should because those are four hitters that should scare the shit out of you. But they they just – it's always like two or three of them are off at any given time. You need to get your identity back, and I think the identity of this lineup is the middle of the order, while it's not going to carry you every game, it's going to it's going to be the anchor. Like it's going to be the thing you can rely on every day. You can rely on Goldie, Nolan – both Nolans and Contreras to give you some support every day. And it hasn't been going that way and they're losing games because of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and you look at the bullpen, it seems like there hasn't been consistency, but over the last couple of weeks, I mean, Jordan Hicks has been great the last month, 
Chris Stratton, very good the last two weeks. Honestly, Steven Matz out of the bullpen the last week has 1.8 ERA. Uh, that, I mean, it does seem like that's a really good fit for Steven Matz right now. I do question not using him in certain situations uh, in the past. I do still kind of question the the move when we were at the game, Brandon Helsley in that early when you had Geo. Like there are a lot, but but it does feel like you've got like, the the guys in the bullpen, and it does feel like whoever whatever Ali has done, it just doesn't work. It it just doesn't work out no matter what it is. You know, everybody's screaming, "Oh, you should have brought in our, our, our Geo." But then when he brings in Geo and he gives up five runs, well, why did you bring in Geo? Like that's that's where it is. Even though Geo had been obviously one of the best arms we have out there, you can't throw Hicks every night. Now Hicks missing two nights in Texas did hurt them. I, I did you hear? I don't know what happened if he was down. I know he threw back to back for two games, but he shouldn't have been down for two nights. They did not use him in either game, and one they obviously should have used him the game we were at on Monday night. It could have been one of those situations where he threw three times in four days, and then you really don't want to make it four and six. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So even if you throw that six day, you've still now thrown four times in six games. I, I don't know if that's the case. I haven't looked at his game log, but I would assume there's something like that where they just really wanted to stay away from him. Because um, Hicks, like we know, like, yeah, he's a very reliable reliever and we like to get him out there a lot, but he's still been injury prone every single year of his career, basically. So you do want to preserve him when you can, but they definitely could have used him a couple, a couple of those games. But you know, I, I don't I haven't heard any explanation, but I would assume it's something like that. Back to the the rotation, just to kind of give our our viewers and, and listeners a little context. By the way, thank you for for tuning in. It's nice to be back. We did take one. Caleb had the had malaria or whatever, Ebola, whatever he had uh, that he was down and out for a while. We could not go to Houston. I'm glad that he's healthy. Look at you. Much better. Glad to hear that. So it's nice to be back while you're tuning in. Obviously, you can find us on our socials here uh, on on Twitter at Caleb Noble 08, at Mike Noble 8 or 08. I don't even know what my handle is, but it's one of those. And then obviously at the Hard Nine podcast, we're on there as well. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, up over 500 follows on Facebook. So that's good. Uh, and then as always, hit that subscribe button. We're really trying to get to that 500 mark. So if you guys could help us out, we would greatly appreciate that. But with that starting rotation, over the last month, um, only two guys in that rotation with an ERA under 5.7. That's rough. Like that is really rough. You know, Flaherty's been great, 1.5 over his last month. Uh, Michaelis, 1.6, but then you get to Wayno at 5.74, Monty at 5.76, and Libby at 6. It's That's what I'm saying. That's It's hard to go out there. That's a month. That's not like two weeks. That's not two starts. That's a whole month of, of, of rotation where you played 19 in a row. Now you're back. That It's hard to go out there when three-fifths of your rotation is going to give up five runs or, or four runs in six innings or four runs in five innings. And then all of a sudden your bullpen is taxed. And then when you need them, when Jack or Miles goes seven, they're exhausted. That's what tells me. I don't see how what you do to make this team go on a run. I just, unless Wayno gets better and doesn't start keep getting abs. I mean, we saw, we were there. Some of those balls hit early in that game were absolutely destroyed. He got lucky on a few. Um, Donovan made a few really nice plays on Monday night. Um, Libertor did not look good. Mati was a little bit better through what, four or five, but then he kind of fell apart. Uh, I I just don't know how this team goes on a run with the starting pitching that Mo has assembled. I I just don't see it. It's gonna be tough. Um, it's gonna be hard. They're gonna have to slug like that's what this team's built to do. And the frustrating thing is the rotation over the last two weeks has been solid. There's been some clunkers here or there, but it's been overall pretty solid. And that's when you start losing games. Like you were you had games against the Dodgers where you know you're winning sixteen to eight or whatever it was, and now you have games 
where, you know, you're losing three to two. And it's like, you can't do that. If your rotation is going to give you a chance in any given game, because they've been so shaky this year, you've got to capitalize on it. And they're not. And that's a lot of pressure to put on an offense that they have to be, you know, good every night because you need to win games by a lot. And you need to make sure if you keep the team low, um, to three or less runs that you win those games because it's going to be few and far between. It's tough, but the offense has been the problem. Like if you, that's what I've seen lately. Like it's been the offense. They've been very inconsistent. They're not putting together rallies. They don't seem to trust each other. You know, the model trusts the guy behind you. You don't have guys just getting on, looking to get on base. Like it's, it's hard to watch. Like, it seems like everyone's trying to be the hero again. Like when you could just get on base, like get on base for the guy behind you. And that's an infectious thing to do. And even like you start the game off with Donovan every day, he's lost his way with that. He's not walking very much anymore. So they don't have that catalyst. And the guy that was that guy is Lars Newbar, and he's yep. gone. And the offense has gone completely quiet since then. Um, to be fair, I wanted to just also to be fair to Jordan Montgomery because he deserves it over his last 15 days over his last, I guess, three starts, 2.5 ERA. That's really, really good. Everybody else below the five point as far as the other two, uh, Miles Jack and, and Monty have been good the last 15 days. But yeah, with the offense, it, I I just don't I don't understand. How, I mean, it, it feels like three four months ago we were sitting in this exact same spot talking about how excited we were for a Tyler O'Neill bounce back, how Dylan Carlson was probably going to do whatever Dylan Carlson was going to do. Jordan Walker was going to make the team and do whatever. It feel one thing I'd like to say, and this is not a shot of Jordan Walker, but boy, watching Ellie De La Cruz come on the the scene, it feels like that's the number that was the number one prospect in baseball. That's what it feels like to me. If we're going to be honest, that's what it feels like to me. Hey, if you're the number two guy, that's great. But it sure did. I mean, what he has done immediately, immediate impact. It's only two games. He could go in an 0 for 40 slump. We know that. But on the immediate impact, welcome to the big leagues. That dude looks and feels legit. A little bit of recency bias because Walker well, yeah, that's why started. I, I said well, that. what I'm saying is Walker did start his career with he did. one of the longest hitting streaks ever by a 20-year-old. So, like, if we're being fair, Ellie De La Cruz's first three games, while very good, um, he's still is that he's not on the thirteen game hitting streak or whatever Walker went on. But yeah, I get it. I mean, he's one of the most talented prospects I've ever seen. Um, I don't know. You need a guy like Walker or Burleson or any of the guys who's just Tommy. Kind of been mad. Tom Tommy's been fine, but I'm talking about guys that like you don't expect. Like, you need someone like that to step up and be one of the guys. I know they got Gorman to do it, but you need like. You need Jordan Walker to take the job and run with it. I know it's unfair because he's 21 years old, but that's what this team needs. They need somebody to be that spark plug. You need Jordan Walker to go on a stretch where maybe it's only for a week, but maybe it's three homers in that week. Then maybe they're big time homers that give you a lead or like revitalize a clubhouse or something, but you need somebody to do that. And it feels like the Cardinals last year, they always had a guy that was carrying them. I mean, they had, they won the player of the month three different times. Like Nolan won it twice and Goldie won it once. So you always had some guy that could at least carry you for a series, like at least take a series and, you know, hit four home runs and you win two games because of it. They haven't had a performance like that at all from anybody this season, other than I guess Gorman and um, lost against Los Angeles. But other than that series, you haven't had a series where a guy's really gone up there. Like, man, this guy's red hot. You don't want to throw him anything. And they need somebody to step up, whether that's Goldie, whether that's Nolan, either the Nolans, Wilson, or it's a guy like Walker. Whoever it needs to be, they need somebody to get red hot, and it hasn't really happened. Yeah, and I think you and I talk, we and I've talked about this quite a bit. You don't need all eight, or all, sorry, all nine. I, I was just kind of the DH, but all nine in your life, you don't need them hitting. You just need three at a time. And it feels like we're, we haven't even gotten the three at a time. You know, if Goldie's hitting, 
then maybe it's Gorman, but it's nobody else. If Goldie's not hitting, then maybe it's just Gorman. Now you got Nolan going a little bit, but like you said, Brendan Donovan struggle. I mean, his offensive numbers, they're average. Tommy's are, are fairly average. Thank God. Hey, first of all, shout out to Tommy for moving to center field. Like that's not easy either, folks. You're, you're, you come in thinking you're going to be the everyday shortstop. Next thing you know, now you're being the second baseman. Now you're in left field. Now you've moved over to center field. What he's done uh, and played all of them incredibly well is incredibly valuable. Uh, let's look. Let's. I, I just kind of want to get a few of your takes here. If, if the Cardinals continue, I, I don't think they continue to play this poorly, by the way. But if they continue. You said that two months well, ago. That's true. That's fair. But if they if they if they do, do you see a scenario? I know that most said they're not going to be sellers. First of all, before I even preface the question, Paul Goldschmidt's not getting traded. Stop with that, please. If you trade Paul, Paul Goldschmidt, then you're trading. No, you're you're in a complete rebuild. That means Nolan's gone. That means you're probably dealing with Contreras. Like what? Stop with that. You're not going to get the haul that you think you are for Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, He's you not would, going anywhere. Well, reason. I don't know. I don't know. You would. You would. But either way. You think the Padres will trade you a shit ton for Paul Goldschmidt right they now? They don't have anything, happen. Caleb. They have, a, they have a top 20. It doesn't matter. We're not trading it. Right. That's but what yes, I'm you saying. get a lot for that's, him if you wanted to. But my point is, it's not happening. They're not They're not that far away. This is an anomaly, it feels like. It doesn't feel like this is the future of the organization. It feels like this is an anomaly for the team. If this happens again next year, then we can talk about that. But I don't see it. But do you see, I mean, you've got expiring contracts with Montgomery and Flaherty. You've got other guys who probably could get you a return back. Guys like O'Neal, I don't know what that is. I have no clue. Guys like Dylan Carlson, do you think that they look at at dealing some of those pieces? Or do you think they're going to play this thing out until the last out of game 162 in hopes that they can get right back in it? Even if it is late July, you still have August and September. I, mean, I, I don't know that any team is going to bury anybody in this division. This might be unpopular, but I wouldn't trade people. For multiple reasons. One, because if you trade a, a guy with half a year left, you're getting some low-level or mid-tier prospect that may never pan out, and you're not a rebuilding team, so you don't really need – and you have elite prospects in your organization, so you don't really need a mid-tier outfield prospect. Like That's not going to help you much. Um, but my other point would be you – if you have won any chance of re-signing Montgomery or Flaherty, which I'm going to assume they're going to try and go after one of them, I think they're going to go after Flaherty and try and get him back. You trade him, you're trading him forever. He's gone. So you, and if you believe you can win next year, then you go after Flaherty and you try and bring him back. Or you can go after Jordan Hicks and say, hey, you want to come back for three years or two years on a reliever deal. Um, so I, I get the point of it because people kind of look at it like baseball is just so different. Like it's not like hockey where you can trade Ryan O'Reilly for a first round pick like that are way more valuable than some mid-level prospect you would get. Um, I just don't see it that way. I don't think the organization needs to go in that direction. I don't think you're going to get the prospects some fans think they're going to get for these guys. As good as I think Jack Flaherty is, he's still kind of a flyer. You don't know, is he going to be healthy for you down the stretch? Like, what's he going to be when he's up to his highest workload he's been at in four years? Like, it's it's a risk for teams. And I don't think people understand that. Now, if we're way out of it and you look up and we're 15 games out of first place, 10 games out of a playoff spot, and Jordan Montgomery is a guy I would look to deal. That would be the guy. But Jack Flaherty, if you want to bring him back and you have any desire to even at least explore it, you can't trade him. If you if the Cardinals have no desire to bring him back, then yeah, you trade him. But I, I'm I'm still holding. I hope we don't have to get to that spot. At the end of the day, I don't think you can let the front office off on that. Off on oh, sell pieces is not good enough. They need to be adding pieces at the deadline for next year. 
because they're still going to be in a hole. And we know they're not going to go spend on Aaron Nola. We know they're not going to go spend on Shohei Otani. So if there's a Dylan Cease available, even if it's not going to help you win the World Series this year, you've got to go get him because you're going to be out of guys for next year. And if you don't go get pitching, you're going to be back in the same spot again next year. And it's going to be a never-ending cycle. So I think they might even buy, even if they're not buying for this year. Yeah, it's funny that you say if they don't go get pitching. We've been saying that for eight years now, and they've yet to do it. So let's see if that happens. Uh, I know that for one, and I, I assume I'm speaking for you here. Well, you kind of already said it, so I'm not speaking for you. I, I would all be off to bring Jack Flaherty back. So you go into next year, you've got Flaherty, you've got Miles. Hopefully you've got Libertor. I, I, I don't know. I still don't know what to think about Matthew Libertor. He was great in Memphis. He was great early on. Uh, Velo's down all of a sudden, and he's not using he's not using all of his pitches like he was early on. I don't know if he's scared to throw those. I don't. I just don't know. I, I'm not going to speculate. We'll I, I give don't him know some those. time. It's early. Give him a few right. more starts. It's early. Agree. I just knocked my microphone over. It's early. I agree with that. I'm just saying I don't. We don't know right now. You don't know what's going on. Uh, and I, I just worry about it. I mean, one, I've heard a lot of people say Dylan C's probably not getting traded, but if he does, it just feels like, man, there's going to be so many teams in on him. Are you willing to greatly, grossly overpay to get a guy like Dylan Cease by giving up? I mean, you're going to have to give up a team cancer or a Mason win to get Dylan Cease potentially. I, I don't know that. Obviously I don't know the players involved. I'm simply guessing that it's going to cost because you're going to be in against, you're going to be in against the Yankees. You're going to be in against the Orioles. You're going to be in against the Rangers all. Uh, two of those three have great farm system. You could be in against the Diamondbacks, who, by the way, also great farm system. You're going to be in against the Dodgers, who also, by the way, great farms. Like every contender, just say every right. Contender. Yeah, that, there you go. Yes, like, I but mean, I don't. I don't. Here's the thing: I don't give a shit because you have the guys to give up. Um, I there are there are limits. Obviously, it's not a. It's not. We were this organization is not in the spot to say we're going all in at all this year for sure. But I don't care. I think it doesn't have to be Dylan Cease, by the way. It's just a guy. No, I understand. I was but you need to go get somebody. I don't care. I'm tired of hearing the, oh, well, it was too much. Okay, well, I think they're lying half the time when they say that stupid shit because they said that they wanted the the fucking the entire city of St. Louis for Sean Murphy, and he gets traded for no one in the top 100 prospect list. So is that really the case? Are they lying? Are they just unwilling to give up anybody? I don't really – I'm not saying go give up Mason Wynn. Like, I don't, I don't really have any desire to give up Mason Wynn. But if there is somebody out there available and he's attainable for a reasonable price, anywhere close to reasonable, and you might have to stretch a little bit and close your eyes and press the button to say deal, fine. But you've got to do something. And if, if they're saying, okay, we're going to go after Aaron Nola in the offseason and we're going to keep our guys, great. I'm okay with that too. But you've got to go do something. And I just don't – I don't know if they have a plan. And that's the scariest thing because, one, I think they're blindsided by what's happening. And two, I think they have zero fucking clue how to fix it for this yeah. year or next year. I think that's where they're at. I also think, Caleb, to be fair, it's fair to say that they will go after Aaron Nola until somebody who is willing to pay more than they are goes after Aaron Nola. After and, then, and then they will be done, right? So I think it is yeah. fair to say, oh, we went after. That's what they'll say. We went after Aaron Nola. And then he's going to end the, up on the IL. But, but the market excuse. just ended up being too much for what we wanted to spend. And if you look at the guys, they're hurt. Well, Pablo Lopez, you could have got him via trade. I'm not saying they would have. You would have had to grossly overpay. You would have. I I get it. I, I I'm not. All I'm saying is, there, John Gray, you you came on this very podcast and talked about how that's a guy you would have gone after that you didn't have to go after the big names. John Gray would have been a guy. Let Let's look at John Gray. Nathan Eovaldi was a guy. I never was very high on that. I don't know that you were either. But other people were. That had to be a guy. Did they do their due diligence? Did Did they not like what they saw? Like those are I all was, questions I really want to know. I'll never know the answers. Yeah. 
but I'd love to know. I was really high. I was really high on Nathan Eovaldi, the talent. Just the injuries were scary to me, and they still would be. But his talent, man, he was an ace in Boston of every sense of the word for a few years. Do you um, do you think we have to stop saying the injuries scare me when you're talking about starting pitchers? Like, no. you know, you – I mean, you see what happened to DeGrom, and that was heartbreaking. No, no. Like, that was that really – as a baseball fan and as a human, just watching the emotions from – those. that was as raw and as, like, natural as a human athlete could be right there. Like if that didn't tug at your heart, she's like, but I mean, I look, we, you, I came on here quite a bit and said, don't trade for Frankie Montas. Don't, don't sign Carlos Rodon. I, Hey, if you had, if you could have got him at a, at a good deal, I was all in on Carlos Rodon. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I wasn't going to pay out pay what the Yankees paid for him. So I understand that. But at some point, like, it just seems like every pitcher you look at, there are injury histories with in the, in today's game. Not everyone, but. The ones that have the injury histories, like I remember we came on here and yeah, the DeGrom thing was awful. I feel, I really feel for the guy. This isn't his fault. I don't know. It, it just seems like his talent is almost too much for his arm. If that makes sense. Like he almost has too good a shit and he feels it too often for his arm to keep up. I don't, I hope he recovers and comes back and he's dominant for the remainder of that deal. But like I came on, we came on here and I said, doesn't it seem like most of these deals are guaranteed to be bad for the team? Yeah. They do. Like that's what well, that was my thought. Like I thought, my thought was that the Grom deal is almost guaranteed to end up being an albatross. The Rodon deal, while there might be two or three good years, which may not even happen now. I hope he's all right, but he hasn't even thrown a baseball yet this year. It seemed like that deal was almost guaranteed to really handicap. Really, the Yankees all want handicap them, but at least hurt them. At least, um, you know, be somewhat of a nuisance to them. So I don't think you need to disregard and say, well, they're going to get injured, so we just have to go with it. That's not how I would run it because I think that's how you get in a really, really bad spot. But you do have to be willing to take chances here and there. You just got to do it with the right guys. Like Nathan Yavaldi was the right guy for the Rangers to do that with. John Gray was the right guy for people him to do it with. Like you've got to be able to take chances, but you got to know who to do it with. Cardinals don't have that track record. They tried to do it with David Price. That would have been a disaster. They like Boston Red Sox traded like had got less of a package from Mookie Betts because they wanted him gone so bad because of his contract. That's a big market team that did that. So they've got to be smart with this, but they're gonna have to open the they're they're gonna have to pay somebody. I don't know who. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's wild too. Like we talk about future trades, and, and that's you know, it seems like so far the trade deadline, it's not, it's six weeks away. Like it's not that that's not that far away. Seven. I'm not great at math. Somewhere in there. Seven. seven weeks, right? Seven weeks away. Um, but if you look at it, I think it's going to be so interesting. We'll track this obviously over the next seven weeks. But right now, if you look through the playoff scenario or the just the the standings, you have a lot of teams who still are not even close to being out of this. And I don't think are going to be come July. If you look at the AL Central, I mean, you've got what four teams within four games of each other. Like, so, you know, we're talking about Dylan Cease. We're talking about Giolito. They, they've talked about maybe Lance Lynn, maybe Michael Kopech. They might they're be right there. baseball. I was going to say, they're going to be right there in the thick of it. They've you look the- in the NL Central, the Pirates, the Cubs aren't dealing anybody. They, they're not going to deal any yeah, of that. Will. Pitchers, yeah, you think? They're going to deal the Bellingers. They're going to be good. Those guys. I'm talking about pitching. I'm ta- I'm only talking about oh, pitching right well, now. Well, even if they were, we weren't going to, we won't get them. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, but if you look at the Central, like Cincinnati's got really good young pitching. Obviously, they lost Lodolo, but you look at their bullpen, it's been really especially the back end really good they've got hunter green they've got ashcraft they've got guys like that who they're not getting rid of they, they could be looked to be i think you're going to have a lot more teams looking to add than maybe looking to sell this year which is going to make for a very intriguing um seller's market 
I think come which is where which is where if the Cardinals are out of it, if that is the case, and it's such a buyer's market, we'll say, or seller's market. It'd be a seller's market at that point. That's why I said seller's um, market. Yeah, no, I said it wrong. Um yeah. if if that if that's where you could see the Cardinals really being able to capitalize on a Jordan Montgomery. I don't want to say Jack Flaherty. I get it. Like I, I think they should do all they can to extend him, like do it over the all-star break, bring him back. That's what I would do. Um, if he's just like, I'm going to free agency. I don't, I can't guarantee you that I'm even going to entertain coming back. Then that's where you get rid of him. But I would do all I can to make sure that he's here. Um, that's where you can really capitalize on this. I don't really want to get into that yet because I think, if come July we're in that spot, we'll have a lot of our episodes to talk about who right. to sell and what to do. And right now, I think they need to focus on how to get back into contention. The question I have, as we just talked about, it seems like the National League, like you've got the Braves and the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks kind of standing up above the rest right now. Um, everyone else is bunched into a little group. Does that give you more or less hope that the Cardinals can get back into that group? Like, even if you know, you got some of these teams that are four games under 500. They're all bunched in to about four games under 500, that eight-game span of record. Um, they can get back into that. Like, they really can. It can happen fast. You, you're you one really, really good week of going six eight and, and two. You're an eight yeah, and you're, right, eight and you're two. Right, you're an eight and two record yeah. or, or a 12 and, 12 and three in a 15-game stretch away from being right back in the thing. That's why I don't – does that give you more hope or less because you have to jump so many teams? Well, your, your, your answer, well, that's the thing you've got. There's so many teams to jump right now. That makes a little, especially like, I think you can almost throw the wild card out. Like you almost have to, like you almost yeah. have to think the wild cards, two teams are coming from the East. Two are probably coming from the well, West. How far are they out? I don't know if that's true. I don't the even Mets know. The Mets are kind of abysmal right now. Yeah, but they're still what, eight games better than we are? Yeah, but that, I mean, that's so are the Brewers. Yeah, I'm just saying, but they also just got, like, they're getting their guys back as well. They're getting Scherzer and Verlander back. And... We are we are seven games back of the Okay, how many teams and above that's us? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. How many teams above team us? Well, there's only one team below us, if that's easier. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So, here's what I would say. I want to believe that that is in them because I do think talent-wise, it's there. Like, it's there. But it it still feels like there's something off. So, until they give me an eight and two stretch... I can't really say that I, I think it's there because I, I will go back to I don't trust 40 percent of our starting pitching to go out there and ever win you a game. That's the problem. I don't I don't count right now on Matthew Libertor to go out there and shut down an opponent and win you a game. I definitely don't count on Wayno to go out there and shut. And I know we only gave up three runs. I get that. He's given you a chance a to win, though. Like if the offense is performing well and Wayno's your five, and he's going like he's going he's going five, giving up three every game, basically. Well, he's if giving he's up doing that more than offense, that, but... I No, like three a game. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's giving up, up almost three... a run. I mean, he's giving up almost a run every, what, one and a third inning? Like, that's pretty rough. He's going five and giving up three. That's about the pace he's on. That's a six I, error, right? Yeah. Hey, I want to see. I don't know. I, I can't say yes. I'm just saying I that gives say you yes. a chance. But I I will say we've gone, they've gone on an A2 straight run. They, they did that recently. They have it in them. The prop, the thing that I have is this team seems to sulk when it doesn't go their way very mm-hmm. like, for a while. That's not a good quality. Like you've got to be like, you know, the, and you know what it is. Momentum's only as good as your next day starting pitcher. Well, the Cardinals had no momentum yesterday and Jack Flair is pretty damn good. So they won a game, yep. but before that they weren't going well. And your next day starting pitcher was Adam Wainwright and it was Libertor. And I'm not shitting on either of those two guys. I still think they both can help you win games in 2023, but if your next day starting pitcher is going to be meh and you're already down a little bit, it's tough. But when you have a game like yesterday where Jack Flaherty goes toe to toe with John Gray, who was dominant and all you needed was one swing and you won the game. 
That's that's what that means. And that's where this front office has, I think, severely overlooked what a good what a great starting pitcher can do for you and what three or four really good ones can do for you. Because they look at it like, well, we can kind of get more value out of a Montgomery because we're only paying him 10 million than we would out of, you know, 30 million to a Rodon. And while, yeah, I get where you're coming from because of the defense, which has been bad, by the way, we might want to talk about that. Um, it's just, there's a different energy to the stadium when you arrive and, you know, like in 2019, when you went to a game and Flaherty was starting there, you feel like you're winning, like the, you're going to mm-hmm. win this game. But when you're there and it's, oh, I don't know, he has a 5-5 five, five ERA, what's going to happen? It's a different feeling for us and the players. They know it too. But we haven't talked about this enough. The Cardinals are 26th in baseball in defensive runs saved. Yeah. Where has that gone? Because they've been the best defensive team in the National League the last two years. How has that just gone away? Do you think it – let me ask you this. Do you think it's just lack of continuity of a defense? Like Tommy comes in as a gold-glove shortstop, gold-glove caliber shortstop, right? Within a day of Paul DeYoung's return, he's now a second baseman. Now, then because of injuries and because of underperformance, whatever, however you want to look at it, now he's a left fielder. Uh, it just seems like Donovan, gold glove, gold glove, and he does everything right, but he's not playing second base every day. Like we thought coming in, it was going to be Nato, Edmund, Donovan, and Goldie, and that infield is that is elite. Now, Gorman, to be fair, has played very good defense at second base. So, but it's, it's because of the really terrible start by Tyler O'Neill. The injury again to Dylan Carlson, the Jordan Walker demotion, the Lars Newbar injury at the beginning of the year, and now again, now again. I mean, when you when you start to play, I mean, when you are playing four or five guys probably every night out of position, that's that, that yeah. that's going to add to it. I mean, it has to. Like you're you're not. Yeah. And again, Paul DeYoung has kind of thrown a wrench into things with coming back and starting to hit well. Now he's he had a decent series and he had some hits in Texas. But he's also really kind of fallen off offensively. But he is still going to play solid defense. We know that. Yeah, well, he's just one of those guys where, like, right now he's 15% above league average playing great defense. Like, I don't know if he's going to maintain that because he's really been bad lately and he was really great to start. But if he can find some kind of middle ground, you know he's, what he's going to give you, at least a shortstop. Um, it's tr- what's troubling to me is Nick Nolan Arenado is a negative defensive run save to third base. Like, that's not acceptable. That's not what you can be. And I don't want to keep bagging on him, but – Gorman Gorman's good at second base at times. And he does some things that normal, like people that actually second baseman most of the time don't do like things. Tommy Edmund would never do. He wouldn't try to flip the ball behind his back right. and throw it almost at the runner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 the thing that frustrates me about this conversation and we need to get to Ollie here in a second. Cause I know that's a big conversation, but it goes back on well, we need shields. Cause he, he, he did the fundamentals and Ollie's not doing that obviously. Well, Mike shield had Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader and Dylan Carlson in his outfield. Those are all three guys that have played center field for us. They're all three, like two gold glovers, one guy who is just below that caliber of outfielder. Um, right now, Ollie has Brendan Donovan, who's a second baseman, Tommy Edmond, who's a second baseman, and Jordan Walker, who's a third baseman in their outfield. Like that's who, that's what they have right now. And somehow that's on Ollie. I don't understand that line of thinking at all. And if you could tell me a different outfield alignment you'd want to do to make that better, I'd go for it. Mercado hasn't been good defensively. No. And um, Burleson and Yepes are not outfielders. Which, so I don't understand that, but let's get to Ollie, I think. I think okay, we have to first, before we do, before we do, um, it feels like this team, like I almost brought up the point that it feels like this team doesn't hit home runs. 
You know, like it feels that way. Would it shock you to know that they're fifth in Major League Baseball in home runs? No. It, it, they come in bunches, right? Like that's what it feels they like. Yeah. It feels like they massively come in bunches. Well, they had, they had, like, like, they they had go, like series. They had like series where they hit like 15. Right. Like and, I mean, 85 home runs, that's a lot. But it does feel like you go to Cincinnati, not a lot of home runs. You go to Pittsburgh, not a lot of home runs. You go to, I mean, obviously Goldie hits a two in Cincinnati. I get that. Gorman hits a two in Pittsburgh, whatever. But then you go to Texas and you hit what, two, two home runs, right? Nolan hit one and, and Burley hit one. I think that's it. No, 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 Walker, yeah, no Walker and Contreras both have two. Okay, so I was wrong. So four, they hit more than what I thought. Um, it just feels like the power outage comes at the worst times for this team. But yeah, let's get to Ali. Um, Mosaic's comments, you want to start there with, with where he said it? You yeah. essentially, you want to start there and go from there? So he basically what he said was that he thinks Ali's done a great job, which to me, I, that's weird. Um, just because I don't know how you – I don't know what he's basing that off of. I don't know if it's player feedback, if it's assistant coach feedback. You know, I don't know what it is. But saying someone who has a losing record has done a great job is weird because I just don't know what he's basing that on. Here's where I want to get to. And there's going to be a lot of people in the comments, I can already guess, that are saying to fire Ollie. I understand. I get where you're coming from, and I'm not even going to argue with you because I can't argue that this team's not underperforming because they are. Um my play where what's getting weird to me is people now jumping back on the Mike Schilt bandwagon, who, by the way, noteworthy, hasn't been hired by anybody else. He's a third base coach for the San Diego Padres. He is not anyone, no one's seeking him to manage, okay, right now, or he'd be a manager. Um, how do we evaluate Ali Marmol and truly, but also say, well, Mosellock's built a faulty roster? Well, the players are vastly underperforming. Like Nolan Arenado is not going to get any lessons somehow to field and hit from Ali Marmol. Like that's not on Ali. So how, how do we even evaluate Ali fairly, truly fairly, when when we say that there's so many flaws that are completely out of his hands? I don't, I, I think the only answer I can give you, and you and I've talked about this off air and a lot of conversations, is that in the end, the manager's number one job is to get the most out of his players every night. So when you say the players are underperforming, which we all agree they are, mm -hmm. like whether it's his fault or not, he's the captain of the ship. And he's the one, like, it, you know, you, you look at college programs, bro. Like, look at college That's football. Different. That's different. I, Okay, hold on. Let's just, just before you try to negate what I'm going to say, look around at every professional sport. My God, Monty Williams just got fired in, in Phoenix. He had, because Chris Paul got hurt. That's literally what, and, and the front office it, dealt it, all their depth. So and what I'm stupid. telling you, hold on, hold on. What I'm telling you is whether or not we agree, I don't know how you base out. I don't know how you give Ali a good grade. His first year, he got us in the playoffs. Like, so that was pretty good, right? Uh, with, with the, with the Pools and Molina Circus kind of going on. So he did a pretty good job. They're getting us in the playoffs. Now they fall on the face. I'm not saying he's going to be fired. You know that I don't believe he should be fired. However, I will tell you that the answer is when teams struggle, they don't get rid of ownership. They usually don't get rid of the GM and they ain't getting rid of the players. So very early, they start with the, the scapegoats of the bench coaches or the first and third base coach or the hitting coach or the pitching coach. And then it goes straight up to the, up the, up the rungs to the captain of the ship. That's all I can tell you is that the number one job of a coach or a manager is to get the best out of their players and put them in the best positions. I believe he does that for the most part. There's a lot of questions with the lineup. 
as far as I have, there's also questions with the bullpen, but every manager has those questions with the bullpen, every single one, because you only got what you got and you can only use them when you can use them. So I don't know what you want. Like that's what people fail to understand is it's not just the Cardinals. It's not just Dolly. Go watch major league baseball. There's guys who are down for two nights. Right. Agreed. That's what I, so, but the only answer I can give you is that in the end, all of it lies at the feet of the of the manager. That that's it. That's all I can tell you. I get I get your point and I understand, but it's I get that line of thinking. But the end goal here should be to find a way for the Cardinals to get better, not only for this year but for next year, and to try and be a championship team again. That should be the goal. So if you just want to be a scapegoat, get a, get a scapegoat just because you have to, just because you want to head. That's stupid to me because if I it's agree. not on Ollie, and maybe Ollie's a great manager. You know, the biggest, the best example I can give you is Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler was scapegoated in Philadelphia for a shitty team that they built. They said it was on him because he made one mistake going out to the mound twice. Then he got fired, and then he went over to San Francisco, and in his first year there, he won 111 games or so 107 games and was the best, had the best record in franchise history. So I, I'm tired of hearing this, and I'm tired of – getting online and seeing everything. I get being upset with Ali Marmol. I'm not saying he's done a great job this year. I don't, I honestly don't even know. I don't know how to evaluate that to be quite honest. Well, neither do they, the people online don't know either. But, but what I, but what I am going to say is if you're, if your answer to everything is to fire the manager, you are not thinking nearly critically enough. You're letting John Mozalek and the entire organization off very easily by saying it's the manager. And all, you're also saying that you want him to hire a fourth manager. So let's go down this hypothetical right. that you do want him fired. I do not, but we can go down this road if you want to. So now you want him, you think he fired. Okay, so he hired Matheny, fired him. He was a mess. He hired Schilt. Schilt ran our bullpen into the ground and hurt Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes still hasn't pitched since then. He's out. Um, and now they hired Ali Marmol. You want him fired just because the team is bad. So now you're going on to the next guy and somehow you think it's going to be better somehow. So, so well, can we also just... talk about, though, these same people that you're addressing? Also, can we talk about the hilarity of they now think Mike Matheny was a good manager? Like, dude was fired also in Kansas City. Like, let's not forget Kansas City, a team with zero expectations. That's how bad he was. It. He was so bad down, here. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to go down like insulting people, but no, it's, no, me neither. But that's, it's I mean, still like to me, I don't know if the I don't understand this way of thinking. And Albert was on Peacock, and I know maybe you can say he has to say this. He doesn't, but he did say hey, players loved playing for Ollie. Like yep. they loved it. He loved playing for Ollie. That's a guy that played for Tony Larusa, who everyone holds in such high regard in St. Louis. He played. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that wasn't as fun. He probably, but he's played for some really, really great. One really great manager. Well, no, Mike Sosha was a great Mike manager. Mike Sosha was a great he played manager. played for Mike Sosha yes. as well. He's played with some great managers. He said he loved playing for Ollie. They were very close. They're still very close. 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 I don't understand why we can't challenge ourselves more than to just jump to Ollie. And here's the thing that pisses me off more than anything. And this is, I'll get off my soapbox after this. But every time I see a thread that's like 10 reasons why Ali Marmol should be fired, one or two of the reasons on there are how he speaks to the media and how and his cadence and his and how he speaks. If your reasoning for why a manager should be fired has anything to do with how he talks to the media, who all, by the way, speak very highly of how he talks to them because he's very respectful to all of them, or two is because he is 
grouchy sometimes, then you have no reason to fire this manager. It's just you with a personal vendetta against him, and it's stupid. He has not – his team is underperforming, so I get that. He should be criticized for that. No one is above criticism in this entire organization this year. Not the players, not the manager, not the front office, not the owner. Everybody can get criticized. But that does not mean that you shit-can somebody for something – that has nothing to do with his job. It's so stupid to me. Well, that's where, but you see, hold on. Everything we see from these people is stupid. Like, you know that. Like, but I just think, I just, I just don't understand that line of thinking. I think we, sh- if, if your first thought when someone is, like, when the offense is hitting poorly, if your first thought was fire Jeff Albert, that's stupid to me. If your first thought were right. the pitchers, it was, that was what everybody poorly. wanted. It was fire great. It was fire Mike Maddox. If it's, you know, now your team's not playing well, so it's fire Ali Marmol. At what point in this city do we say maybe the players just aren't playing well? Maybe the front office just didn't give him a team that was good enough to compete and good and not a good enough collection of maybe personalities, maybe a talent, whatever it is, to overcome adversity. Maybe that's what happened, but we jumped to Ali Marmol is the guy that speaks to me every night after we lose, so I'm already upset, so now I'm more upset at him because he gave me a reason for why something happened. Like, if, if Ali Marmol didn't speak to the media, would he be getting all this criticism? I don't think so. Also, to be just to add to what you said, also shame on us, partially, which nobody wants to say. So that's a lot of it for believing that Tyler O'Neill was going to have the bounce back season that we said he would, for believing that Jordan Walker was going to put together a Julio Rodriguez type season. Th- that we, those were things we believed were going could happen. For believing, well, I wouldn't the, said that I, for Walker. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like the top number one prospect, that, that was where the expectation. I mean, yeah, he had for believing chance. that Contreras was going to come in and just pick right back up where he was in Chicago, like all of these things that we thought were going to happen and that we knew needed to happen have not happened. And then you add on to the struggles of Nolan Arenado, you add on to the absolute ridiculousness of the outfield. You none of nothing has gone right. I'm not saying it like you said, Ollie's not above criticism. I'm just trying to explain to you that that would be the, that is the reason why that, that, but the arguments against Ollie don't are not valid. I get it, but listen to what you just said. They've they're starting out like Tyler O'Neill gone, um, Dylan Carlson gone, Newbar has been gone twice. Um, Jordan Walker was not his. It was not Ali Marmol's choice to send Jordan Walker down. No. And if you think it was, you don't know much about how baseball operations work. It wasn't Ali Marmol's choice to pull Wilson from behind the plate. If you think it was, you know nothing about guys that get new contracts because they are going to be played if the front office wants them played. So it it doesn't make any sense to me why everything just gets lumped on Ali. But I guess it does. Because you have guys like John Moselle who doesn't come out and address the media very often. You have Ali Marmont standing up there after every single loss mm-hmm. saying things. And sometimes he gets a little pissy and he gets testy because the guy wants to win. Obviously, that's his job. He also doesn't want to get fired. So I, I understand the the anger towards Ali Marmont. I truly do get it. I'm not even going to say that maybe he should be fired. I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe he should. Maybe that clubhouse doesn't like it. I, I just don't know. But what I will say is if your criticism – in begins and ends of this team with Ali Marmol, you're you're letting too many people off easily. You're not give you're not you're acting like like I don't think Nolan Arenado would want Ali Marmol to be held responsible for his poor play. That no. doesn't make any sense. Like Nolan Arenado's played under managers who have been fired, and he was MVP candidates during those seasons. So that's not what this is. I I think we need to look at it more of the players aren't performing, and why is that happening? Maybe it is Ali. I just don't believe that to be the case. Yeah. And also like the other thing is, who are you going to hire? 
What are you going to make Joe McEwing now? Another guy who has zero managerial experience. The guy, you didn't the guy again, like it's that, and that was yeah. your second pick for the bench coach. Let's for not the forget. bench coach, right? Right. Like, so is that what you're? Is that what him, you're going right. to do? Uh, stop with the Joe Man talk. He's seventy years old. No, we don't need the. And also, he hates analytics. He's not coming also, to the yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, he got fired. Also, I have zero. I, I don't even think he's interested in coming back to manage. So, so like let's let's stop just saying it's not as easy as fire one. What is your solution? Your solutions are, if your solutions are Joe Madden or Joe McEwing, well, then you're not really making any logical sense at all. Yeah, I mean, there's no solution. The solution is your players have to perform. Adam Wainwright has to pitch better. Matthew Libertor has to pitch better. Um, Nolan Arnado has to be more consistent. And Wilson Contreras has to not be worse than Andrew Kisner. Like, those are your solutions. They're in-house. And that's when Mo came out and said, you know, we don't if our solutions are outside, we're in a lot of trouble. Yes, we can't do that for another month and a half. There might be a, something you can add to this team that really helps you get over the hump. Um, like we said to start the year, we thought that would be the case where they'd kind of probably be in first place for most of the year. And at the deadline, you have a chance to add somebody that truly makes you, you know, maybe as good as the Dodgers, as good as the Braves. Well, we were wrong, but that was the thought of most people, I'm sure, inside and outside the organization. Um but right now, this team, like, so at some point, the players have to step up and be held accountable. Right. If, if, if you're going to blame Ali for hitting 186 with uh, with the bases loaded and having a 586 OPS with the bases loaded, yeah, if you believe that the players are going bumps. up there <laughs> and they're saying, man, Ali really made me mad when he did that to Tyler O'Neill. I'm going to make an out here. That's that's how you sound when you say things like that. That's like, what you're that's, saying. Basically. That's how you sound. Right. So it, it doesn't make any logical sense. Uh, again, I don't think we, I don't think you can judge Ali Marmol on a hundred on 228 games, whatever it's been with the playoffs. And he has good. a winning record right. in that stretch. Yeah, I don't think you can way. do that. Also, by the way, and I know everybody will be like, well, they have to say that they work for the, well, they, Derek will does not work for the Cardinals. You know, no. I mean, Brandon Schaefer does, does not work for the Cardinals. Most Jeff Jones does not work for the Cardinals. John Denton does not work for the Cardinals. Katie Wu does not work for the Cardinals. Everyone well, John Denton kind of does. Okay, okay. So the other, well, he works for the Athletic, right? He writes for the Athletic. He works at MLB.com. Okay. Well, so okay, fair. That's fair. But even he's more way. affiliated than the other guys. Yes. Uh, when they say that the players absolutely love and respect Ali, I'm going to believe them more than anybody on Twitter who says, "Oh, in my eye, they they he's lost the well, clubhouse." Like can we you stop? Zero idea. One second. Hold on. Let's not even name the beat writers. Albert fucking Pujols right. said it. So did Nolan Arenado, by the way. Nolan Arenado said it was his favorite manager he's ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and did that change after the Tyler O'Neill situation? No. To me, the Tyler O'Neill talks that's still going on, for fuck's sake. Um, one, I think he was kind of proven right, considering yeah, right. that Tyler O'Neill had a back spasm. And I was pro Tyler, by the way. I'll admit it. Yeah. I wasn't, and I and pro and considering he hasn't played in a month, considering Matt Holiday came on to one on one ESPN and said this has been a problem for more than just this year. Even it had been definitely not just one play. So I think he's been proven right by the fact that Tyler O'Neill once again gone for months at a time. Um, but we keep talking about that. If you think the clubhouse, if you think the the leaders in that clubhouse were that mentally weak, that one calling out of a player derailed this entire season, then this team stood zero chance anyway. That's what I'll say, because that means you really can't handle adversity Agreed. at all. Also, it is fair, I think, and it all goes back to me, to Mo and his group. Like, you built a roster that's flawed. Like, you've, cont- and you've continued to have a roster that's flawed the entire year when you were carrying three catchers because you were DHing yeah. one because you said he couldn't, whatever you said. What I'm not going to get rehashed at. Yep. But then you were also carrying a six starters, which means you were down one bullpen arm, but yet one of your arms wasn't even pitching. So if, if we're going to talk about it, like 
let's talk about the roster creation. That's number one. And then also the handling of Jordan Walker, which we have heard, I have heard countless amount of former big leaguers talk about, including Jim Edmonds, by the way, shout out to Jimmy, who is not, who his pockets are empty. He, he gives no there. fucks. He, he gives no fucks anymore. And the way he talked about it was spot on the terrible handling of Jordan Walker by this front office. Uh, I mean, there's people, former GMs talking about how they can't believe what they've seen from this organization with what they did with Jordan Walker. Uh, it, it's, they, they've stumbled at every, literally at every starting every block they've had this year. Every opportunity they've had to, to fuck up, they fucked up. Yeah. And um, the thing, I do want to get to that in one second, because there's something I want to say about that. But just the Jordan Walker thing, like, yeah, obviously I really respect Jim going on there and saying that. I think Chip Carey was kind of uncomfortable. But Jim, Jim Edmonds has... He has the cachet to do it, so do it. I, I appreciate that from him very much. Um, I, I I disagree with some of the sentiment behind it because I do think there were reasons, you know, maybe don't let the guy free fall um, in the big leagues and maybe you see a trend coming and you think it's going to result in a really bad stretch of baseball for Jordan Walker because of what he was doing and you send him down and say, let's not let this kid's confidence get over get destroyed. But I do think they handled it way too publicly, as I think they've done with a lot of things this year. I think they're almost telling too much for some reason for an organization that generally doesn't tell you anything. It's been very strange. But the last point I wanted to make, the, the last point I really care to make, and then we can, if you have anything else to hit on, we can. Um, is I want to ask you, do you think if this team doesn't get out of this funk or, you know, this 11 game under 500, whatever, if they don't get back into the playoffs, do you think that will ultimately be a good thing for the organization? Because maybe they finally found out that their way of doing things had so much, um, I don't know the right word, but so much variance can happen. If you build a roster that's flawed, it's one or two injuries and your team screwed and they finding that out. Do you think it'd be good for them? And do you think if they were to have a season where most first losing season as a Cardinals executive ends up, ends up making him reevaluate the way he goes about things for next off season? Do, no, the answer is to your question is no. I don't. I don't agree I, with that. But okay, that's why fine. Do you think and that? the re, well, because the roster mismanagement goes back to 2013 with Michael Waka. 12, 13, 14. When did we lose to the like? Whenever that year was. 14. Okay, it goes back to that, and they've and it's happened in the in the playoffs every time. Almost not, every time. That's we, not really relevant. Hold on. Though. I don't believe that we have built. I, I I don't think that they're going to say, oh, we did. I just don't see that from Mo. I don't. I just don't see it. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you if you think him having his first embarrassing season as an executive, because I know 2007, they didn't make the playoffs, but they still won over. They were still over 500 and they still were, and they were one year removed from a world series. So nobody gave a shit anyway. Um, this would be his first stain on his reputation of, as a Cardinal. It's like, like real, like this season was a massive failure and it's on you and you can't hide from it. I think, I, I personally think it could be a good thing for the organization but I also don't want to say that I want that to happen because I don't, I want them to be in the playoffs. Right. I want to watch right. the Cardinals in the playoffs every chance I can get, but I do think it could be, I don't know the answer. I think Mosaic, he's got at most two years left in St. Louis as the Pobo. Maybe he'll move up to the president or something later, but he doesn't have much left. He basically said that before the year. I don't think he wants to leave on a low note. I really don't. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, it, it, the past performances lead to future Ah, you know the saying that I'm going for there. But either way, 
right? Um, future, uh, whatever it is. You know what I'm trying to well, say. But, but to be fair, I just don't see it. Great. I don't. I don't see Mo taking blame on this. I think they blame underperformance from the players. I think they blame injuries. I think but they blame a schedule, a 19 Dad. game in a row. Hold on, let me finish. Okay. I think but they blame those things fair, instead of. To be fair, you're saying all of that based on zero track record of that happening, considering there's never been a season like this under him. To no, I fair. agree. But well, the two that they missed the playoffs were, or, what was it, three that they missed the playoffs? Two was, they missed the playoffs. They were still that was right pretty in rough. It. But if they yeah. keep on this track, Dad, they're going to be done by August. Are they in the Central? I don't know. I mean, they're going to not, they're going to be, I mean, if you're, if you're 10 games under 500 come September, you're done. Right. Right. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that answer. I'd like to think that the answer is yes, but what does that do? Does that like, even if it is a stain on his, does that make Bill DeWitt now go to 220 million in his, in the salary cap? I don't see that. I don't see them going to 200 there, in salary. There has been a lot so of requests I, I, that say that Mozilla has pushed for a higher, a higher payroll. And maybe this is the time where it's like, see, this is why I wanted the higher payroll. Yep. And maybe that is something that happens. I don't, I can't say that for a fact. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I have a hard time seeing that. I hope you're right. But this franchise does not, I, I just think right now, to be fair, this franchise is very, even if they do go on a run, it just still feels to me like this team, this franchise is behind so many other franchises in major league baseball that it's not even going to matter if they go on a run because we've seen it the last three years. They're going to get, if even if they get in, what are they going to do? They're going to play two games and they're done. Like that is honestly how I feel. Now I know the old adage, you get in, you get hot. The Phillies did it last year. They only won 86 games. I understand all of that, but we don't have Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola. Well, hold on. Let's go on and on. We have players better than Kyle's fucking Schwarber. So get out of here with that. With his you know what I'm saying. Average. When you add, the, I don't, when you add in some of the we parts. We very much do have players. like. But we don't Bryce have Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler. We don't. So that's true. But you stay Bryce Harper. We have an MVP in our lineup. Bang, Zach I get it. But come on. We do. Okay. All right. And we have a second MVP but, candidate batting fourth. But we don't we have, have all those surrounding guys. catcher batting fifth. And we have. We do. The problem. We don't have the pitchers. Well, that's the they thing. haven't we performed. Have the pitching. We might have them. They haven't performed. Okay, stop it. Okay, and the Phillies haven't either. Cool. This year they have not. I agree. My point is, I don't know that this team is just one of those organizations or teams that can get in, and get hot. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they just get in, they get hot, and next thing you know, do that. They can. I do think. I do think though, it's not really luck. Like here, like here's the thing. The reason the Phillies were allowed to get hot is because Zach Nola, Zach Zach Nola, Zach Wheeler had a great performance because Aaron Nola had a great performance in Game Two. That's why they were able to get hot because they have players that could, at least if your offense is sputtering, give you a chance in game one. Right. And then obviously Helsley blew up because of his finger. And then we saw game two went where the Cardinals just fell lifeless. Um, I, I get it. I, I still think this team, if they get in, would be dangerous. I don't think anybody would want to face our, our lineup at full strength in the postseason because it could get hot and do a lot of damage. But they've got to get there. And right now they're not on track to do it. I don't Last have- thing before. Last thing before we get out of here, um, one shout out to Goldie for his 400th double. Uh, we did in all of this that has oh, been nice. missed on here. Uh, one of what 195 guys to ever play the game to have 400 doubles. That's incredible. Whenever you start to get and decide those numbers, now everyone you make, you're just going to go up. Everyone you hit, you're going to go up the list. Um, let me ask you this. We're watching this Memphis team rake, right? They called Lucan up. Very happy for him. Super pumped for him. Got to see the family was there in Texas when we were there. We did not talk to the Baker family, but they were there. Um, Mason Wynn is raking and playing incredibly well. Yvonne Herrera is playing incredibly well there. Uh, Gomez, streaky as always. Do, do you see a time where any of those guys start to get, where you start to think about calling one of those guys up? 
Or do you think they're just going to leave them down there for the entire year, let them play it at AAA and not be needed? Because I guess here's my question. So it's a two-parter. All right. Well, that one, was your question. One, you know, my second part is with, with Mason Wynn knocking down the door, Nolan Gorman proving he can play second base. What does it do with guys like Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond? Do you need both? You want both? Do you need both of them on the team? Like, I, I don't know. I, it's a great question to ask for the future of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I'll start with the first question. One, I think if the Cardinals are, are still either teetering on, you know, death on the, on the, on the side of being, you know, completely out of it or they're completely out of it. By August, I would like to see both Herrera and Win up playing a lot um, because that gives you a better idea of what you're doing for 2024. And I think at some point, you know, we're going to have to say that might be what they need to look at. I hope it doesn't get to that. But if it does get to this point, point where 2023 is a lost cause, those two need to be up and getting some exposure at the big league level. Um, and my second part, the second question, what was the second question? Tommy and Donovan. Oh, Tommy and Donovan. Um, I don't know where this team would be without those two, but I know that they've really needed them, and I think they're going to need them again next year. Um, to have two guys that can fill it anywhere and do an admirable job anywhere. Like Tommy Evans has done a great job in center field. Brandon has had some walkie plays and left, but for the most part, been very, very good. Um, and they're both producing at a and at a pretty solid rate offensively over the last month. Like not incredible, but pretty solid. Those two guys are extremely valuable for your organization. And I, I think Tommy Evans will be the second baseman. I really do. When Mason wins a shortstop, um, I think you're going to see Gorman probably move around a little bit, play some. I think you might see him play some first at some point in time. I He's hope gonna DH. not. I do um, not want to see him at first base. Put him why? in the outfield. Brandon Donovan plays. Brandon Donovan plays. I understand that. I'm not saying he's going to play there every athletic. day. For, Paul Goldschmidt is going to play there every day. I'm saying you can move around yeah. and play there sometimes. No, I know. I don't think you need to move those guys, especially not just to do it. If there's something, some. If there's like a big pitcher out there and they really want Tommy Evans or they really want Brendan Donovan, Which, would I consider it? Yes. But do I think those two right. are massive parts of – if this Cardinals season gets turned around, they're going to be a big part of why it happened? I do. I think they both will be big parts of that. All right. Yeah, I I, see, I tend to agree with that. And I also don't really know what the market – like if you're looking to trade a Tommy no, Edmund or yeah, – right. I I, they're so valuable to this team. That doesn't mean that other organizations see that the same way. We just don't know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, this weekend. If you're in town in St. Louis, go watch the Cardinals play the Reds. Ben Lively and Jordan Montgomery tomorrow night, I think 645 maybe, is that right, or 705? I don't know if they've moved it ben back Lively. to 7 o'clock yet. So yeah, either okay. way, I oh, we didn't do our – was on, on, on Saturday and Wayno on Sunday. Wayno on Sunday, yeah. I guess Hunter Green, so that one should be fun. Yeah. Um, we got to do our predictions, then we can get out of here. Okay. Go. Uh, we win one of three. And uh, the guy who hits, <laughs> I, I mean, it could be a pitcher. You can pick a pitcher that's going to pitch well for one of the three games. I'll go Miles then. That's my win Saturday. Okay. I'll go Michaelis. I don't trust our anybody on our offense. Yeah, I think a, they, a week ago I said the same thing about our rotation. Yeah, I think they win two of three because they have to. Of course you um, do. Because they have to. They have to. If they lose two out of if they lose this series or get swept, the season's over. Um. Uh, and I think I think Nolan Arnado is going to get hot because I think he's kind of been getting hot. And I'm going with the if Nolan Arnado's hot, the team's going to win because that's been the rule since he's been here. Okay. So I think I think that's what's going to happen. And I don't know if I really do think it. I was going to go did they lose two or three, but you took it, so it wasn't as fun. So I'm saying that we win two or three. I did bring out the Rangers hat, the new lid, just because I, that team is fun to watch, man. That team they all hit 300. And if they don't, they're hitting bombs, bombs away. Yeah. So that is a fun team to watch. That was a great stadium. Had a good time there. 
Uh, thank you guys so much as always for watching. Uh, like I said, you can find us on our, all the socials. Hit, hit that YouTube subscribe button or on Apple or on Spotify or whatever you're listening to us do. Tell a friend. We greatly appreciate it. Get out, see some live music. Be kind, everyone. Talk to you soon. Go Cards.